Hey everyone, welcome back to the Supply Change Podcast. I am your host, Christian Garcia. Thank you for joining us again today. We are going to be talking about indoor positioning. It's a brand new technology, brand new solution that we think can help your supply chain. So before we get started, I do want to mention we did a webinar series, specifically two webinars based on this topic alone. So we highly recommend you go check those out. Um, if you're looking for a little bit of a deeper dive, like to keep our podcast a little bit shorter, more bite-sized content, but if you want a deeper, um, more full picture of indoor positioning, we do highly recommend going to check out those webinars. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, we will have finished up our webinar series, but you can catch all of those on YouTube. We're starting to build out our YouTube page a little bit more with some shorts from the podcast. We are posting our webinar series, and we just uh, are looking to build out that platform at Aptricity. So uh, we highly recommend you check that out. Just search for Aptricity on YouTube, and you can find all of our video content there. Today's topic will be indoor positioning. So for those of you who are in the webinar series, maybe you don't need to listen to this episode. You might have already heard this. But for those who are just podcast listeners, um, this is a brand new technology and a brand new solution that is really bringing a lot of benefit to supply chains, specifically for companies that are looking to track the location of items in an enclosed area. What we're going to be talking about today is what is indoor positioning, talk about how it works. We're going to talk a little bit about global positioning because I think there's a good crossover between the two that kind of helps understand the topic better. We'll talk about the types of, of benefits that it provides, and then also just a little bit about the technology, you know, where, where the technology is taking us, what's what we can look forward to in that field. So without further ado, let's just hop right in. So what is IPS? IPS stands for Indoor Positioning Solution. You may hear me say IPS Solution, and I recognize that I'm saying Indoor Positioning Solution Solution, so please bear with me. An IPS system, there we go, I got it right that time. Uh, an IPS system is used to track items inside an enclosed area. So one of the things that I think helps people understand how IPS works is to compare it to GPS, right? I think that those two are essentially brothers in, in, this, in the way that they work, right? So we're all familiar with GPS. Right. We use it for our use it for our directions. We use it to track our Uber drivers, you know, our, our DoorDash deliveries, things of that nature. The way the GPS works is that there are a bunch of satellites orbiting the globe, and they're reading the different types of, you know, antennas that are GPS antennas, right? So our phones have GPS antennas, uh, our navigation systems, all those types of things. As we're moving around, the more scanners that read those antennas the more accurate the location data becomes. So I want you to try this if you, if you have the time and if, you're, uh, if you'll humor me. Open up Google Maps or, or Apple Maps or whatever you use, Waze, in the middle of a building and watch your little GPS dot move around. Basically, the reason why this is happening is because think about all the concrete, metal, you know, uh, brick and mortar, wherever you are, right? That's impeding the, the satellites that are coming down to read your antenna. I know I'm a very, I'm a very uh, expressive. I think this helps though. But basically, you have the satellites. They're coming down. They're going to read your antenna on your phone. It's hard to do that with all the impedance. One of the examples I like to use when you're in the airport, you're trying to call your Uber because you want to get the Uber and you don't want to wait in the line. You're saying, okay, well, here's my current location. If you watch again, watch your dot. It's bouncing around all over the place because GPS is not good indoors. It cannot lock onto your signal. 
because of all the impedance, all the things that get in the way. This is where IPS really comes in handy because it uses the same concept as GPS. It uses trilateration to predict your position. If you think about the dot on the map and the circle around the dot, and you're being read by multiple scanners. If you're being read by three or four different scanners, that means you could only be in the shared space of those three to four scanners. So that's how IPS works. It's using the same thing. It's using static readers. We know the position of the static readers. We know the distance between the readers. And so therefore we can calculate the distance of the, or really not the distance, but the position of that final point, which ultimately ends up being, you know, in the IPS solution, a tag, in the GPS solution, the antenna. That's kind of the, you know, the comparison between GPS and IPS. They work practically the same way, just on a, you know, GPS obviously on a global scale, IPS in a more um, refined indoor scale. All right, so basically that could be something like a warehouse, a storehouse, it could be a retail store, uh, any sort of brick and mortar type of location, we can set up an indoor positioning system. The way that we do this is through four main components. Actually, I, let's say five main components. The first main component is Bluetooth beacon tags. These are the things that we are affixing to the items that we want to track. Bluetooth beacon technology, I know we've done, uh, one of the webinars that we did do was over the uh, different types of tagging technology that you can use for your supply chain. I think we did a podcast on that as well. So uh, if you want a, a bit of a deeper dive into that topic, we recommend you go check those out. But Bluetooth beacons are what we use for indoor positioning because they're actively beaconing out their signal, right? And so that they make up the first component of an IPS system. The second component is fixed readers. In the electricity world, we use our iConnect controllers with Bluetooth antennas, and we affix those to various places across the floor for the purpose of creating a mesh, basically a scanning mesh to say, you know, as items are moving around, and tags are moving with the items, we have controllers that are picking those tags up as they move. And if we associate a fixed reader, the reason why we call it a fixed reader is because it doesn't move. If we associate a fixed reader with our third component, which is the floor map, basically the diagram of your location that you're trying to track in, we can now say that this controller is equivalent to this part of the warehouse or storehouse, or again, any sort of location that you're, you know, that you're trying to track in. And so if this reader picks up this tag, we know that it's around this area, right? So if you were looking at a diagram of a floor map, you would be setting up these controllers in the real world uh, in various places based off of uh, maximizing read distances. Um, a lot of times, if you get into like corner edge cases, reads can get a little bit less accurate because they're kind of hidden away from the broader mesh that you're that you're creating. But essentially what we're trying to do, if you if you think about a scanner or you think about a uh, a beacon, right? A beacon is sending out information on a defined time frequency. That could be anywhere typically what we've seen between 2 times a second to once every 5 seconds. If you think about how often that tag is is beaconing out, you have to realize that if it's sending its scans or it's, it's beaconing less frequently, so you know every five seconds, you don't have as much data to work with. So that's where we bring in the fourth component, and that's the positioning algorithm. We did talk a little bit about this in the webinar, but the difference between trilateration and triangulation, IPS systems use trilateration to determine the position or to accurately predict 
the position of a tag on a floor map. When you're putting together your diagram of where tags are, or not where tags are, but where scanners are, there's a you know a calculus to be made between the the x y coordinates of the pixels of the image versus the real world calculations, right? So maybe a pixel equals 10 feet or whatever the case may be. The same way that when you look at a map, there's a scale on the right side. It's the same concept. That's the fourth component is the positioning algorithm because what's happening is as a reader picks up these tags, connects to them, reads their information while they're moving around, the goal of this system is to accurately place those tags on a floor map. Multiple readers have to pick up the tag because if you think about if you think about the way that a, a scanner works, you basically are just drawing a circle around the center point. And the center point in this case is the scanner. If you're you know, if you're drawing this picture in your head, right, or if you want to go to your whiteboard or a piece of paper and draw this thing out, put a dot on a piece of paper, draw a circle around it, you know, put more dots and draw circles around those. And you'll see that there's a convergence of these read ranges that represent the, you know, the scan radius. So as multiple readers read tags, we're able to narrow down the predicted location because the tag can only be in the shared space, right? So let's say, you know, I have three circles and I can't do three circles with my hands. I don't know why I'm trying that, but you have different circles, but if all those scanners are reading a tag, it can only be within the shared space. And, and that shared space gets narrower and narrower and narrower depending on how many scanners you have set up and how many scanners are reading the tag. That's how that fourth component works. That's the, that's the algorithm, the positioning algorithm, right? Uh, at Aptricity, we use machine learning AI to, to really help hone down a lot of that data that may be erroneous that can result to you know, poor real-world results. The fifth component is the asset management inventory management solution that you would have that all this information is being reported to, right? So I'm going to make sure I did my counting right. I'm going to go back. So we have the Bluetooth beacons is number one. The fixed readers is number two. The floor map is number three. The positioning algorithm is four. Okay, good. I was a little worried that I, I didn't count properly, but I did. So the fifth component is an asset slash inventory management solution. And the reason why we have that as kind of the final component is because all this information is being scanned and stored. It has to get sent somewhere, right? Those scans... And those tags and readers don't mean anything unless they're associated with things of value. And that's where an asset or inventory management solution comes in, right? You're tagging things that are important to your business. And that's where you keep that information is in your asset. I use asset and inventory management synonymously. So I'll kind of go back and forth using those terms. But all that information gets sent there and it gets updated. These things are important. You, you, you're putting together the solution, you're implementing the solution because you know that there's value in tracking the location of your stuff. So what does this do? What does this do for me? What does this do for my business? It does a lot of things. One, it helps reduce shrinkage. Probably one of the biggest benefits of an IPS system is that if you tag your items and they're being scanned and they're moving around, you don't have to rely on pen and paper or a manual process to say, you know, I picked up this item and I moved it over here. If you're managing a warehouse or if you're managing a storehouse or whatever, whatever your building is, you probably don't have time to record every movement 
that takes place with your items. And and you really can track anything. There's there's no limit to what you can track. And so if you if you're tracking things like handheld scanners or if you're tracking pallets of inventory, uh, maybe you're tracking heavy equipment, tools, whatever the case may be. There's value in knowing where that stuff is, and there's also value in making sure you don't lose it. You know, for a lot of companies that that use these types of solutions, maybe they're leasing the equipment and they don't personally own it. And so if they lose it, you know, now they have to go buy it and then replace it. You know, kind of same concept with people who are you know, tracking their own things that they that you know that they've purchased as a company, right? They may be, you know, if something gets lost or stolen or, or broken or misplaced, whatever the case may be, not only do you have to basically write that off, you also have to buy a new one because you need this. Assumedly, you're you know you're tracking things that are important to your business, right? That are important to the operation of your business. And so, reducing shrinkage is probably the main benefit that we see with IPS systems because we know the location of items. If items are moving to places they're not supposed to be, or if they get lost, or if they walk off the job site, we can go back through and see a location history of where this thing has been, right? We can track it along its movement route. So you can see, okay, it was in you know this part of the warehouse. Well, now it's getting a little too close to the door. Now it's definitely too close to the door, and now I don't see it anymore, right? So there's ways to track the custody of maybe who was you know in charge of that uh, that piece of equipment that asset inventory item. There's ways to view the movement history of where it's been over the period of time, and there are ways to set up alerts to keep those types of things from happening, right? Geofencing or restricted zones for specific items, access control, things of that nature. Those are the things that are going to come ideally from your asset or inventory management solution. So we're tracking valuable things. We want to reduce shrinkage. If we shift the discussion more towards the inventory side. A big problem that inventory companies deal with, specifically with perishable goods, you know, uh, beverages, food, uh, anything that has an expiration date. Managing your picking and shipping process can be difficult if you don't know where the things are that you're supposed to pick. If I have to fill an order for 10 widgets, you know, I need to know where the widgets are so I can go pick and basically prepare that order. But when you start adding expiration date to the equation, it makes things even more difficult because now products with a, you know, a defined shelf life, you need to go pick out the products and ship the products that have the least amount of shelf life remaining. And the example that we like to use to explain this concept is if you go to the grocery store and you see, oh, LaCroix, it's, uh, you know, three, three packs for $10. Typically, that means they're running a sale because other times you can find one pack for $4.50. The reason why a lot of these companies do these types of sales is because they recognize that the expiration date for these items is, is quickly approaching. And so they're trying to get it off their shelves before it becomes completely useless. Now, maybe LaCroix wasn't the best example because I'm actually not sure if LaCroix expires. Um, I do know that like cola products do expire. So maybe that would have been a better example um, to use you know, popular cola product. But... Uh, Companies will put together these sales because they realize, oh, these these products only have, you know, a week left of useful life before they expire, and then they're worth nothing to me. If we go all the way back up the supply chain to the the warehousing and the distribution side of things, I want to pick the things to maximize the amount of shelf life that I have because as soon as that number hits zero, that becomes useless product. It loses all value, and that's another form of shrinkage, expiration. That's just money going out the door. So. Now we go back to our warehouse worker, and he has to go pick an order for six pallets of cola. If he knows where those pallets are that have the closest expiration date, 
now we're maximizing the useful life of our product, right? It's the first in, first out inventory management that really makes a difference in maximizing profits and maximizing warehouse efficiency. So I put a tag on a pallet. I put a expiration date on a pallet. I now know here's the items that have this expiration date. Here's the items that have this expiration date. When I go do my picking, I'm going to pick from the thing that has the closest expiration date. It saves, it saves money. It saves time. So IPS shrinkage on the asset and the inventory side. We also can do things like cycle counting. And cycle counting is a huge time sink for a lot of companies. It's a huge manual labor effort. I think I've probably used this example on the podcast before, but I used to work at a sporting goods store. That was my very first job. Whenever we had to go do inventory, we had to go manually scan everything. We had to visualize, basically look at the, you know, the box of, you know, apparel or, you know, in hunting and fishing, clay pigeons and all the stuff that you could buy, you know, I don't Clay pigeons? I think I think that's right. Basically, I've been skeet shooting, so I, I really haven't proven that with my uh, yeah my lack of expertise in, in skeet shooting is showing itself here. But so we, you know we would go and we would we would scan you know boxes of clothes, we'd scan shoes, you know all, everything throughout the throughout the store, and we'd have to visually confirm, hey, yes, there's you know five pairs of size eleven shoes, four pairs of size you know twelve or whatever the case may be, and so. That process took hours. We shut the store down early, you know, like on a Sunday evening at maybe 7 p.m., 8 p.m., and we wouldn't leave till 2 in the morning. And that's a full store of perhaps, you know, 50, 60 employees just going around counting. It's a time sink. You think about all the hours that go into that, and you may not even get your counts right. So when we start tagging items, now we know what's here and what's not. Now we get that information fed to us as opposed to sending out, you know, an army of people to go count and expecting them to count exactly right, expecting employees not to double count the same thing. Now we have tags that are feeding us that information. I'm not going to say it's foolproof. Sometimes you may miss a scan, but it's certainly a lot better than sending 30 people out for multiple hours at a time. We've worked with companies who said their cycle counts take months. And you think about all the different touch points in those months where something could go wrong, a, a, a count could be missed here or there. And now it cascades its way down the line and your end product isn't trustworthy. Your end, you, you know, your end result of your cycle count may not even be right. It's too much to risk. You don't want to waste time. You don't want to waste employees' time. You don't want to pay employees to provide something that's not going to be beneficial. Tagging, specifically IPS, using enclosed locations, Incredible solution for cycle counting. It saves a lot of time and money, and you know where things are at. Let's talk about kind of the what you can expect from an IPS system. Because a lot of times when we, at Aptricity, when we talk about the different types of technology that you can use, uh, we'll use terms like uh, real-time tracking, right? We have tags uh, that we use for asset tracking that truly do report in real time. If you go look for that item, you'll see where it's at. We have tags that ping every second. That's about as real time as it gets. When we start talking about IPS, we really start talking about near real time. And the reason for that is because of all the things that are taking place before the final product gets displayed in the system. Tags are being read by scanners. Scanners are collecting that information. They're sending it through the algorithm that basically determines a final position. Then when that final position is determined, that information then gets sent to the you know, asset inventory management solution and then makes the appropriate changes on the map. That takes time. 
It doesn't happen in real time. Now, as computing continues to advance, as the algorithm gets more finely tuned, those numbers start to shrink. The most recent gap time that I've heard is five minutes between location updates. And for some companies, maybe a lot of companies, that may be perfectly legitimate. If you're tracking items in a warehouse that maybe don't move as much, five-minute updates may be perfect. Uh, for, for companies that are really looking for that level of fidelity where I want to know the second it moves and I want to know exactly where it goes, there's still some growing for this solution. And I do think that it will ultimately get there. There's always this discussion of you know maximizing cost savings versus you know maximizing read results. And that is that those are on opposite ends of the spectrum. Because if I want the least expensive solution, I want my tags to last as long as possible, right? Therefore, I'm going to have my tags ping as infrequently as possible every five seconds. Let's just call it that. I don't want to put up, you know, a complex infrastructure. I don't want to create a huge mesh. So, you know, maybe I'm okay with getting anywhere between 30 to 50 feet of accuracy. That could be fine. If you're tracking things like, you know, trailers or, you know, big pieces of equipment that if I can get within 30 to 50 feet, I'm going to be able to visually identify, hey, here's this, you know, here's this item. That could be totally fine. If that's your use case, you don't need to have a complex infrastructure set up. But when you really want to start diving into the specifics, right, it's, it goes back to what we said, the more readers that see a tag, the more accurate the predicted position will be. So following that line of logic, if you set up a, a complex, a very rich mesh, you're going to get great accuracy results. We've gotten accuracy results up to three feet, or three meters, excuse me. And that's continuing to shrink by the day. But it is dependent upon the mesh that you set up, and it's dependent upon how frequently the tags ping. Bluetooth is a great technology. It is a great proximity technology. It is not a great precision technology. But using, you know, using the algorithms um, that have been developed, using the mesh and using some of the AI tools that, um, at least at electricity that we've integrated, we're able to really squeeze as much juice as possible out of those Bluetooth tags. So when we talk about location accuracy, it's obviously highly dependent upon the, you know, the type of infrastructure you have and how frequently the tags are pinging or beaconing. There's another way to kind of get you to the exact location of that item. And this is what uh, in the electricity world we call our find my asset, hot, cold, Marco Polo type feature. Basically what we're doing is we know that this item is within this radius. Let's, let's say it's in this 30-foot radius. We know our IPS system predicted that it was in this radius. Now what I want to do is actually go find exactly where it's at. So what we're able to do using one of our electricity mobile apps is directly connect with that tag and walk around. And, and as you're getting closer, it'll say, okay, your readings are getting hotter. As you move further away, it'll say your readings are getting colder. Another great example for this, this actually, I did this the other day, did not know that this existed, but it's awesome and it helps a ton. I have a an almost two-year-old daughter who loves to hide my AirPods. So one morning, getting ready for work, I'm trying to look for my, my AirPods. Where are my AirPods? Can't find them. There's this same exact type of feature where you are walking around, you basically say, find my AirPods, right? And then you'll connect to them. And then as you're moving around, it'll say you're getting closer, you're getting further you're right on top of it. Look for them in this area. And then 
you can play a sound to kind of help you identify where it's at. Very commonly used for two-year-olds who hide your AirPods. Uh, maybe you have older kids who do that with uh, more important things. Apple does a great job of kind of baking this feature into their Find My Device platform, but it's a great example of how you know, taking that same concept and translating it to the warehouse or the storehouse, I can do that same type of thing, right? I know that IPS is telling me it's within this 30-foot radius, but now I need to go find it. Now I'm walking around, I'm reading, I'm getting directed directly to it, and I found it. There's the option, if you want, to update the position of that item to the exact location that you're at. You can make that change, basically say, okay, well, on the map it says it's right here. I'm gonna use my hand as an example, but really it's right about here. So you can make those manual updates, but Hot Cold, Marco Polo, uh, Find My Asset, all of these are, are kind of synonymous to describe getting to the exact location of that item. And as Bluetooth continues to advance, and you start looking at things like angle of arrival, angle of departure, and as the, the tags themselves, the build quality of the chips give you more trustworthy data, everything continues to improve. And so that's kind of where, when we start getting into the future of IPS, that's what we can really look at is more frequent updates, better accuracy, cheaper components, right? Those are the three areas where if we look into the future of IPS, that's the future. The other side of this is whatever whatever enhancements come in through an asset or inventory management solution, you can basically bake those in as well because the IPS solution is feeding your asset and inventory management solution, right? So as those, those two things become connected. And that's basically, if we're talking about IPS in a nutshell, that's it. You know, we, we, we went through how to set it up, you know, essentially what it's made up of. We talked about a little bit of what you can expect from an accuracy, from a results perspective, where the future is. And it's it's honestly just something you have to see in action. It's it's really incredible. It's brand new technology. It's cutting edge. It's providing results today for businesses, right? It's not some future tech that is years away from being, you know, a, a solidified solution. We're seeing results today. Problems are being solved today with this solution. And so if you are interested in seeing this, contact one of us at Optricity. We'd be happy to show you a demo. It's a fascinating technology. It's it's one of those that I really couldn't believe until I saw it myself, right? And we've got incredibly smart people at Optricity working on this solution day in and day out. It's something that uh, we think can provide a lot of benefit. So if you're interested in hearing about that, feel free to hit us up. Uh, we'd love to show you a demo. Uh, you can you can email myself cgarcia.tristy.com. We'd be happy to talk to you about it and just kind of go through how it can help your business. We'll end today's podcast the same way that we typically always end it. If you have questions, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. If there are topics you'd like us to cover, please let us know. We'd be happy to tailor this podcast to be specific to the needs of our listeners. And that's that's the whole point of this is we want this to be for the listeners. It's not for us. It is kind of fun to get up talk in front of a mic and, you know, have nice cameras in front of you and stuff, but it's not for us, right? It's for our listeners. So if you, if you're interested in hearing a topic covered, or you have any questions, you can reach out to myself, um, reach out to our marketing team. Uh, we'd be happy to assist you with any questions that you may have. With that being said, that's all I got for today's episode. Hope to see you next time on the Supply Change Podcast. Thank you guys for joining